Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My name is Brian DiNovellis. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's feast week in college basketball. Some of the best non-conference matchups you'll see around the country all season are taking place this week from Maui to Portland to the Bahamas and Brooklyn. Hey, how about that Creighton-Arkansas game? Semifinals in Maui, Creighton winning at 90-87. to 87. You talk about two teams that have Final Four potential. I mean, that was like a regional final game in March. Best game of the year so far. Locally here in the Tri-State, UConn and Seton Hall are involved in two Feast Week tournaments. St. John's winning uh, the Empire Classic at the Barclays Center. We'll get to them in a little bit. Let's talk about UConn. Let's start the show there. I mean, they can really do some damage in the Phil Knight Invitational in Portland. Their first game is against Oregon. Certainly not the best Oregon team we've seen. And this is, in my opinion, Danny Hurley's best UConn team by far. And now that they have Jordan Hawkins and Andre Jackson healthy, I mean, it brings this roster to another level. Add in Adama Sinogo, who is dominating the Big East right now. He's won back-to-back Big East Players of the Week. Uh, sprinkle in the transfers with uh, Aline and Diara and Joey California, as he's being called, Joey Calcaterra. You know, they have a lot of versatile pieces. And the freshmen, we've talked about them here. If you've watched UConn, you know that seven foot one Donovan Klingen can be a force for a freshman. And Alex Caravan, man, he to me is just a dynamic freshman. And we, I know we haven't seen Cam Whitmore yet when he gets healthy for Villanova, but right now it's early. But Alex Caravan is the leader in the clubhouse for Big East Freshman of the Year. He's won the award twice. The two-time Big East Freshman of the Week, six foot eight, he's versatile, averaging double figures and points, about 11 points a game, gets rebounds, assists, he can shoot threes. I mean, what's not to like about this kid? These freshmen are mature and they're contributing for UConn. Dan Hurley has this team right where he wants them in November, rising. I believe they rose to 20th this week in the AP poll. They are getting better. They are primed for a run in this Phil Knight Invitational. They open, like I said, against Oregon. Then they would play the winner. If they win that game, they would get the winner of Michigan State and Alabama. And UConn fans, you remember last year in the Bahamas, Michigan State won a nail-biter against UConn in the semifinals. If they meet again, I think UConn will get revenge. And then, should they win their first two games, hopefully that puts them in the championship game against number one and undefeated North Carolina. Should that happen, that is must-watch TV. Seton Hall, we mentioned them. They're in Orlando. This tournament is wide open. I mean, their names, Florida State, Stanford, Memphis that Seton Hall opens with, Ole Miss, Oklahoma. I mean, none of these teams are ranked. So all of these teams that 
have a history and have been ranked in the past. They're down a little bit this year. Florida State's way down. So with a field this wide open, in my opinion, I think the winner of the Seton Hall-Memphis game, Thanksgiving night at 7.30, could win this tournament. And if that team is Seton Hall, then they will show me and their fans what they're capable of. Uh, but listen, they are a work in progress. Is this team that is still behind offensively, it's clear, are they ready to compete against a young and talented Memphis team that also has a lot of new faces that will have the best player on the court in Kendrick Davis? He was the AAC player of the year last year at SMU, fifth-year transfer. He is flat-out one of the best point guards in the country, scored 26 against VCU. That's the player the Pirates need to contain. Who's going to do it? They weren't able to contain Tony Perkins, who just flexed his muscles for Iowa and controlled that game against Seton Hall. I know Chris Murray was the star, and obviously so. But Tony Perkins is a hell of a point guard. And he had his way against Alamir Dawes and Kaderi Richmond and Jameer Harris anyone who tried to guard him. So, will Seton Hall have better luck against Kendrick Davis? If they are to win this game against Memphis, they will need to. What did Seton Hall learn from their game against Iowa? Are they ready to compete? Because they have mopped up the competition playing the lower and mid-majors. Alamir Dawes really put it all together against Wagner. Femi Odukale had his best game yet in a Seton Hall uniform against Wagner. Are both of those ready to carry that over into this tournament in Orlando? And can someone tell me where Kaderi Richmond is? Something is wrong there. This is a second team preseason all biggie selection. I mean, he has not shown any flashes of being a brilliantly talented point guard. This is just me speculating, but is he connecting with Shaheen Holloway? Are they on the same page? He sat on the bench for stretches in the second half against Wagner. Something to watch. Is the ball going to be in his hands? Is he comfortable? We know that Shaheen wants him to post up. Haven't seen much of it, but when he does post up, he's had a lot of success. So where is Kaderi Richmond and will he show up in this tournament? And is Dre Davis healthy? Because he's one of Seton Hall's most important pieces. He tweaked his knee and was held out of the Wagner game. Will he be able to go against Memphis? Seton Hall can sure use his strength, his defense, his rebounding, his leadership. He is a very important part of this team. Hey, speaking of Wagner, I'll be joined by first-year Wagner head coach Donald Copeland in just a couple of minutes. But first, I want to start a little segment that we're going to be starting this week and carrying over every week on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. It's called Around the Tri-State. So let's go around the Tri-State as we highlight some of the teams and players 
that are making headlines. And we begin with St. John's. The Johnnies, 6-0 and for the first time in four years. Even Frank in general. The most pessimistic St. John's fan has to be happy about this one. All right, they just beat Temple and then Syracuse to win the Empire Classic at the Barclays Center. They pulled it out thanks to some big shots by David Jones and Andre Curbelo. The transfers getting the job done. Andre Curbelo named tournament MVP. This kid was brilliant. Had a career-high 23 points, six assists, and four steals against Syracuse. But my man, Joel Soriano, he just continues to impress, continues to dominate. Folks, find me a more improved player in the Big East. You won't find one. He is one of the most improved players in the country, Mr. Double-Double. I was at Carnesecca and saw him light up Nebraska with career highs in points and rebounds. Finished with 17 points, 18 rebounds. Then he follows that up a couple of games later with a career-high 19 points and 14 rebounds against Syracuse. Joel Soriano is St. John's most important player. Last year, the Johnnies underachieved. This year, I'm not going to say they're overachieving, but they are finally living up to expectations under Mike Anderson. There is a buzz. St. John's fans should get behind this team. And we'll see where they go from here. But they are trending up as well. Hey, how about Hofstra? The pride of 4-1. They have wins over Princeton, Iona, Georgetown, and San Jose State. Aaron Estrada is the guy you want to watch and follow on this team. One of the leading scorers in the country. This kid's averaging 22.5 points a game. He had 33 against George Washington, 27 against San Jose State. In those two games, get this, 11 for 20 on threes. Estrada shot 11 for 20 on threes in back-to-back -back games. Hofstra's in Canada, by the way, this Thanksgiving tournament. We're seeing teams go out of the country uh, this week. They'll be in Canada. They're going to play Middle Tennessee and UNC Greensboro. And then circle this game, Hofstra fans, at Purdue on December 7th. That could be interesting. Okay? We'll see what Hofstra can do in the next coming weeks. Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights are 4-1. and one. Nice bounce back win for the Scarlet Knights over Ryder. Uh, following that loss to Temple on Friday at the Barclays Center. Look, obviously, they're missing two of their most valued pieces. Two of their leaders. Their most experienced players in Paul Mulcahy and Caleb McConnell. I think that first game against Temple was one of those games where this team needed to learn how to play without Paul Mulcahy. And they took one on the chin from Temple. But that second half, they put things together against Temple and nearly caught up late in that game. They were down double digits and, and trimmed the deficit late in that game. I think that second half carried over into this Ryder game, all right? And they buried a Ryder team who's very good, who had a chance on the last possession to beat and shock Providence, okay? But I think Ryder was a little tired. We talk about teams going out of the country 
early in this, this preseason? Well, Ryder was over in Ireland. Yes, college basketball in Ireland. So from what I understand, there's an American basketball player who played professionally in Ireland, and he's over there trying to uh, promote and lure some of these American college basketball teams over to Ireland. And that's exactly what Ryder did against Central Arkansas. They lost that game, but boy, oh boy, Ryder has some terrific guards. And here's a name you want to keep an eye on as well. Dwight Murray. This kid is a pro. I mean, he lit up, lit up Central Arkansas for 30. Rutgers knew it. They scouted him well. They defended him. They hounded him. He still scored 17, but he had to work for those 17 points, shooting five of 13. Uh, it was clear, you know, even if he got past the first guard, uh, there was no room for him to go because he, he quickly got smothered up once he went to the tin. So Rutgers did what they had to do. They get the dub. Another double-double from Cliff Amore with 20 and 12. Cam Spencer is turning out to be quite the transfer. He's doing it mostly against mid-majors. But, I mean, look, you can't argue with the results, right? 19 points, four steals. That's where he's sneaky valuable. This kid is one of the leading steals guys in the country. He is right there at the top averaging four steals a game. So his value is leadership, defensively getting his hands in the lane, getting steals, deflections, hitting threes. But he's not just about hitting threes because he can get to the rack, he can, he can finish, he can hit runners, his mid-range game is there. So I really like his all-around game. Uh, but... I want to see what he can do against some of these bigger, high-major teams as well. And how about the emergence of Antoine Woolfolk? He was a two-sport standout in Ohio, was getting scholarship offers from schools like Cincinnati. I think football was thought to be his, his better sport, but he chose basketball because of the upside and the offer he had that Steve Peichel gave him, and he is, he is much more polished and athletic than I thought he would be, a little bit more of a finished product, and he really showed it with the minutes and the opportunity he had against Ryder. Eight points, nine rebounds, four offensive rebounds as well. Uh, that showed me something. So I think Antoine Wolfolk and Derek Simpson are two freshmen that are going to be contributing this year for Rutgers. And the future looks very bright for both of them. As Steve Peichel said after the game about Antoine Wolfolk, his best basketball is ahead of him. His work ethic is tremendous. He's putting in the time and practice. He's going up against Cliff Amore every day in practice. So he's only going to get better. All right, that brings you up to date around the Tri-State. And now, it's my pleasure to welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast for the first time, the head coach of Wagner, Donald Copeland. Coach, welcome. How are things on Staten Island? Um, you know what? So far, so good. Um, you know, still working, still trying to get better. 
um, you know, coming off a tough first five games, you know, to come out three and two. Um, I thought that was a really good test for our team. And you know what? I'm, I'm happy with being three and two right now, although we did come off from a tough loss. So, all right, let's talk about the positives. I mean, right out of the gate, your first game as head coach at Wagner, and boom, you beat a Temple team who, let's face it, the more we see of Temple, this team can play. They beat Villanova. They beat Rutgers. And uh, they took St. John's to the brink uh, last night. So that's an impressive win. The win over Fairfield, I thought, was also impressive because that's a team that's expected to contend in the MAC this year. They they gave, uh, I know, Rutgers a little fight earlier this year in a scrimmage. So you have two impressive wins there, and you challenged yourself early in this season. So talk about the successes that you've had so far. No, I, I think, you know, definitely starting off with the Temple game, that was a big win for, for the program, and especially the players, you know, with the turnover we've had, um, not just with me now becoming the head coach, but then losing four all-conference players um, and five seniors in total. I think this team has a lot to prove because there's some returning guys who were pieces on the, on the team last year that was really good. So to start off the season that, that well in a game like that against a Temple team was really good. You know, we, we knew coming into the game it was going to be – we had to play extremely well to give ourselves a chance, and I thought we did that. Um, so I was really happy for the group. Um, and then Fairfield, you know, all, was really worried about the game. You know, I know Fairfield's very good. They've added some really good pieces to a team uh, that returned some really good good guys. And then now, you know, testament to scheduling, man. He, you know, Coach Young, he put together a tough schedule. They start off at Wake Forest. They played in Hampshire, really good. And then they're beating Xavier. Um, so there was a buildup for our team coming into this game that we're, we're playing a championship-level team. And I thought my team responded well to that. You know, we defended. And and I guess that's where your upbringing comes, right? You, defense under Coach Hurley at St. Anthony, uh, under those great St. Anthony teams that you played for. And let's face it, you know, Coach Orr at Seton Hall, who who brought you in there, was also a defense first guy. So is, is that your DNA of this Wagner team? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, defense is how I was raised. I mean, not only would just Coach Hurley start there, start with my father, who was a college coach who coached me up until high school, defensive-minded coach. It's just, you know, it is, it is a part of my DNA. It's something I put, for, you know, first. Um, and guys know to get on the court, uh, for me and this program, you have to defend at a high level. So uh, there's definitely been a carryover with, you know, playing for Coach Hurley and playing for Lewis Orr, who was defensive-minded as well. So um, I'd like my team to defend. I'd like us to defend at a high level. Coach, when you first were linked to this job, you were an assistant under Bashir Mason uh, for six yes. years and had, had a lot of success there. Then you went to Seton Hall for a year under Kevin Willard. So when your name was first linked to this Wagner job, as I understand it, the players who were on the roster went to the administration and pushed for you to be the head coach. How did that make you feel? Um, I was really surprised. You know, um, you never know. You know, they, they know me as an assistant coach, right? They don't know me now as a head coach. So, but, um, you know, I thought it was special. You know, um, I try to be a player's coach, you know, because I was a player. So I know the relationships I take serious in building with players. 
always comes first before anything, you know, because uh, it's really important to me that these, they're, they're good people uh, in society, especially after leaving, um, you know, our program. So I was able to establish some good, some good relationships with the players and, you know, I recruited, you know, all, all of them. So, you know, the fact that we stayed connected and they had that belief in me, um, you know, to go to athletic director and, and say, hey, listen, we want him to be our head coach. I thought that was special. It is special. And uh, like you said, you recruited all those guys. So there was a knowledge there. Now tell me this. Are, are they still glad that they pushed for you to be their head coach? <laughs> <laughs> pro pro probably not when we mess up a defensive assignment in practice or I show them film. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> nothing. No, I think love coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. But um, no, I, you know, they know me as a, they, they knew me as an assistant coach. They knew I was demanding, you know. Um, I'm still demanding probably even more so. Um, so, but I think it's worked out well because they, they play hard. They buy in, they buy into what I'm trying to do, uh, and what we do as a program. So I, I really can't complain at, at that right there. Joey Waller, yeah. who's a, a good friend of mine and does the play-by-play -play of Wagner games on the internet. He told me you have a saying, a quiet gym is a losing gym. So where did that come from and, and what exactly does it mean? Um, yeah, no, it's just it's just something we've always had here, you know, it's, it, it, with Bosch, you know, and then in Cario with me, it's just something we believed in. Uh, the gym has to have an atmosphere, has to have sound to it. We want to be talking, communicating. We want excitement in the gym from the moment you, you come through those doors and stretch begins. So our stretch is loud. Everything we do is loud. And then there's a carryover into when we play uh, because our communication is still uh, at a high level. But, you know, we, we want to have the enthusiasm uh, always, always, always at a high level. You're not allowed to be in the gym and be quiet or not enthused to be working. Communication. I don't care what you do in life, uh, marriage, school, work, uh, the gym. Communication is key. So I'm, I'm, Absolutely. All for that. I'm all for that. So what have you learned? in your first few months as a head coach uh, about yourself in terms of, you know, how you're managing egos, managing the roster, practice preparation, in-game management. I know I threw a lot at you, but, but what are you learning about yourself? You know what? Um, you know, you just got to keep working hard, harder. You know, I, I don't allow myself to get satisfied. So, you know, we talk about the Temple win, right? And I get all the congratulations and things like that. And then I, I got to be honest, I, I celebrated it for five minutes in the locker room <laughs> when the guys <laughs> threw the water on me. Uh, so I guess what I'm, I'm learning about myself, I thought I would probably enjoy the wins more than I do, but all I can think about is how do I get another one? <laughs> and that ties into everything, how I run the program. I'm always on to the next thing, always on to the next thing because I just don't want to be caught off guard. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what it really means. You know, is it because I'm a first year head coach? Is it because I kind of always carried competition this way, even as a player? Um, I'm not sure, but I know I won't allow myself to just relax at any moment. So I guess I kind of knew that about myself. I guess I'm reiterating that to myself now okay. sitting okay. in this chair. Sure. Sure. So, so who are some of the veterans on this team that, that you've leaned on a little bit? Um, Oh, sure. Delani Hunt has been phenomenal. He's been like an assistant coach um, since day one, since he's been a freshman. You know, he's rookie of the year. Yeah. He stepped in and he was a born leader. Um, 
He's every coach's dream. He's the guy you want to coach. Since I've taken over the job, he's done an outstanding job of upholding our culture. And that's the only thing I came in coaching. You know, a lot of people want to talk to me about, um, you know, how are you going to play, style of play, things like that. And the only thing I focused on was our culture, how we work, when we work, that we're competing. And he was right there step for step with me in everything we do, in every drill that we have. So that's a carryover for him right now. And I think early on in the season, he's playing really well. Um, another veteran guy, well, I, I guess I could call them veterans. Uh, uh, their sophomores is, is uh, Zaire Williams and Javier Escara, who just, you know, you could see why they had an impactful role on a team that won 15 games in a row last year that had all seniors. Um, you know, and now they have their roles are elevated and, you know, you're looking to count on them more because they've never been in this spotlight before, but they've been really competitive and great with our culture. A guy like Jabril Price Noel, you know, who's a veteran guy who, who's been around, you know, he played at Pacific and now he's here last year and had a role. He's been good for us. And then transfers like um, Brandon Brown, man, who's been phenomenal. I think the piece that this team really needed on both ends of the floor, he's upholding our culture. He's embraced it um, a lot, you know. So I think I think we got some good pieces. Ramir Moore, I'm forgetting him. I'm sorry. But uh, he came mid-year, and he's been another staple. He has such a, a big personality in our gym, which is really great for our gym. So and guys really take to it. So, so far, you know, those guys have really, really, you know, tried to take up that mantle of being leaders. Ramir Moore from uh, he, he played first couple of years at St. Joe's. Uh, I saw yes. the Seton Hall game. I was at the game. And uh, without Zaire, who's been injured the last couple of games for you, Zaire Williams, yep. I thought Moore really stepped up and, and carried some of the, the scoring load and leadership out there. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, uh, athletically, he's a guy that can compete at that level. You know, he's a strong, powerful guard. Um, and, 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 you know, in those type of games, he, he, he does get up for him. You know, he gets up for him. And it was good that he was able to get things rolling for us. I, you know, I kind of thought our scoring would be stagnant against Seton Hall, especially on one-day prep. But I, I wasn't surprised to see that, you know, he was trying to be more assertive just because his ability isn't far off what, what you know, the Seton Hall guys are. So let's talk about that Seton Hall game, Coach. You know, that, that, that's your alma mater. You coached some of those guys last year, like Jameer Harris, Tyree Samuel, Trey Jackson, Kaderi Richmond. So uh, being back in that building, playing Seton Hall, I know you would have liked it to have been a little more competitive on your end. But, um, you know, give me your thoughts about Seton Hall and, and being back there uh, in a place that you knew very well. No, I think it was great. I think it was, uh, you know, going into the game, it was definitely a game we had circled. Um, for a number of reasons, the fact that I played there, I coached there, and then also our guys get up for games like that. Um, you know, coming into the game, we we knew, you know, we only had one day prep and we exhausted so much in the Fairfield game. Um, I think that was a major factor for our guys. And, you know, because Seton Hall is just too good. You, you, for us, we had to give them more prep. And then I knew coming off a loss at, to Iowa, they would be fired up for a game. You know, they would need a win. They need to play well. You know, I know the next couple of games they're in Florida. So we knew that was going to be the case. It was just hoping if we had enough energy and we could come out, uh, especially early in, in both halves, and play well enough to kind of stay in there. And that, I think that's something we weren't able to do uh, in either half, the first half or the second half. And that's why the lead kind of ballooned. But 
coaching against those guys, man, I, you know, I love what Shad's doing. Um, I think the guys that return that I've coached, I think they're trying to embrace it. Um, and I can see it within their play. Um, you know, this, this part of the season is always difficult for teams who have a lot of turnover. And Seton Hall has a lot of turnover. So I think they're still trying to piece some things together offensively. Um, but, but the one staple that you can see is they're definitely going to play hard. They're going to defend. Um, and now hopefully as you go through the non-conference, your offense can keep coming. But um, I was happy to see those guys. I keep up with them. I still keep in contact with them. You know, they're happy for me. When I got my first win, they all reached out. You know, that was special. Uh, former wow. players from last year, Jared Roden, you know, Bryce Aiken, those guys. Um, just, you know, it, it, you know, it was only a year, but we, we built real strong connections and relationships. So um, I do wish the game was more competitive, you know, but um, I, I can't take nothing away from it. My guys or theirs, you know, um, you know, we played the game and, and, and it went how it went, you know. You know, and listen, you beat Fairfield without Zaire, your leading yeah. And and I'm not saying you would have won with him, but certainly you'd like to have, you know, a player like Zaire Williams out there <laughs> competing against Seton Hall. What what's so what's his status and when do you expect to get him back? Um, you know what, he he's battling a knee injury right now. So, you know, right now he's day to day. He he can go in both games. Um, and he's just so hard headed. You know, I knew he couldn't play, but he he's not he's gonna try anyway, right? Like so. I knew he couldn't play in the first game. He still let me try. I want to work out and see if I can go. He couldn't go. He worked out before Seton Hall game. He couldn't go. He, you know, it's just one of those things. He's so competitive. Uh, he hates the fact that he's he's missing all this time. But I also got to pull the reins back on him. But right now, I, I don't know. We don't have a timetable. He's working to try and get himself back on the court. But needless to say, you know, that that is what it is. And we have to keep moving forward. You know, we, we played a game. We played two games without him. Um, if we have to play more, that's what it's going to be. And guys have to step up. And But the expectation is to to play hard, defend, and, and try to win the games. You play a tough non-conference schedule. And and now you're getting yep. ready. You have a week off to prepare for NJIT. Three straight mm-hmm. road games, right? NJIT, yep. then two more at Army and at Fordham, uh, who, who has a new head coach in Keith Ergo. Um, I know you take them one game at a time, but uh, there's no question, Donald, th- this, team, this team is good. Road Warriors, um, you know, battle tested. You're getting ready for, uh, you know, conference play in the NEC. A- a- absolutely. And, um, you know, putting together scheduling, I mean, everybody knows how hard it is. It was designed this way for this group. This group needed to be tested. We lost five seniors for all conference players. I mean, Alex Morales, right? You know, right. one of the best players this conference has ever seen. And now you return guys who want to be, a, 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 you know, be those guys. Um, they needed to be tested now, uh, right off the bat. That's something I wanted to do. I thought our first five games were really, really tough, you know, really tough teams to play against. And that was okay. And then after that, you know, playing three road games on the road, um, you know, which I guess ultimately will be four in a, in a row. Right. That's something that we talked about. We wanted it to be that way. We wanted it to be hard. And now it's on us to figure out a way and be tough enough to get wins. Um, and now hopefully you go through enough in the non-conference to where you come in the conference and you know who you are. You've been through some real things. You've been through some tough situations and now you've found a way to come out of it. So, you know, the schedule is designed for a reason and now it's on us to come out with wins. Did you catch Shaheen Holloway's comments after the game about name, image, and likeness? You know, someone mentioned it to me. Um, 
I didn't see the quotes or anything like that. Someone told me, uh, you know, so what was what he, mentioned. What he said, and I'll paraphrase, and this is what I was hoping you might be able to respond on. He was brutally honest. And I, I applaud him for this, right? Because mm -hmm. it's it's kind of become the wild, wild west, you know, pay to play. Yep. Whoever, whoever has the biggest treasure chest is attracting a lot of the names right now and a lot of the top recruits. So he he said, you know, with the numbers some of these schools are giving, you just can't compete with that right now. So if he's saying that at Seton Hall, which, you know, it, obviously their program speaks for itself. They're a very good uh, high major team. You know, does the NIL trickle down at all to Wagner and, and the low majors or, or you know, get lost? There's, there's nothing there for that. Right. Um, you know. I, I, I'm for NIL for the players. I think, you know, it's great, you know, if you have the opportunity to do it. And uh, I understand what Shaheen's saying as far as that, because at, at, at that level, that's that's ultimately what it's about right now, especially that it's so fresh and new. It's only anything anybody wants to talk about. And I think you got to have things in place to compete at the recruiting level, uh, the recruiting at that level, you know, so um again that someone told me about it i know you just read the quote i i understand where he's coming from i do um as far as coming down to our level i think you know i, I would love for all these guys to have nil deals but ultimately if if you if, if if you're deciding to come to wagner because of an nil deal then this ain't the place for you <laughs> okay. um that that's pretty much that's as honest as i can get not because i'm against it or whatever but i i think it's not there yet you know as you go down on the levels this is still too new it's too fresh ultimately it's for the higher level programs you know and you know we do talk to our guys about that stuff though like if you have these opportunities make sure you 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 pursue them and pursue them and things like that if you can i'm all for it it should make sense for you but you know right now at this point i i you know it's it's not as impactful um at, at the lower levels you know so i i haven't faced it you know i'm still a, a young young head coach. I haven't faced it at this level. So, you know, but that's just my take on it really. Okay. And, and listen, at the end of the year, I, I, no matter what coach you are, you have to talk to your players about retention before they sure. might seek, you know, greener pastures, whether that means more playing time or, or an NIL deal, right? That's the reality yeah, of yeah. what we live in right now. <laughs> Yeah, I think that 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 is the reality. And you know what? If it comes down to that, I can't tell somebody, you know, don't go after something like that. I understand everyone has financial situations and, you know, it, it, there could be opportunities that you just can't pass up. You know, I, I get that, um, you know, it, it, but you have to deal with that when it comes, you know, um, and, and hope that it works out. You hope you don't lose too much from your program. Um, but this is the state of college basketball, college sports, I think right now. People are still trying to figure out what to do with it and what what it is. Uh, it's still a moving. It's still moving, you know. So I think as the years go on, everybody will have a better handle on 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 how to approach it. Last question. I just want to, you know, first of all, wish you a happy Thanksgiving. What are your plans? Thank for you. Same to you. Thank you. Um, I, I have a new house, so we're spending Thanksgiving in my new house. Um, my fiance is organizing everything right now. And the way she's organizing it, I think she should organize my program for me because she's doing <laughs> a hell of a job. Um, so, no, it's big. I'm going to have some of the players over, you know, that aren't able to go home. Um, my family will be there. You know, it, it, you know, I'm really excited about it. So, 
I listen, I, I can tell right now, first of all, congratulations on the engagement. Uh, Thank you. It sounds like you have a very uh, uh, smart, organized, successful uh, fiance, and you've yeah. already learned to step aside and, absolutely. and let her do her thing. <laughs> all right. Absolutely. I have suggestions and they get met with, don't worry about it. So I just, <laughs> I know what that means. Don't even ask. Okay. So that's what I do. I don't, I, I don't say anything. <laughs> see a long, uh, long wedded bliss, a lot of happiness and, and a lot, a lot of years together. So uh, congrats I appreciate on it. Congrats thank on you, the start. Thank you. Thank you, co coach. Congrats on your start to the season. Wagner's three and two. A few more road games coming up. And and before you know it, we'll be into uh, LIU and Merrimack and the, the thick of things in the Northeast Conference. We will be following Wagner throughout the season and the play in the Northeast Conference. And uh, we hope to have you on again uh, very soon, coach. Best of luck. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. That was Donald Copeland, head coach of Wagner. And boy, oh boy, that is a team to look out for in the Northeast Conference this year. With teams like Merrimack and Sacred Heart, uh, there are going to be some battles. St. Francis, that is always one of the most wide open conferences uh, across the country. And a lot of times the regular season champ never or rarely gets to the big dance. So that's a conference to keep an eye on throughout the season. And obviously when March Madness comes around, Donald Copeland, you can just hear, he has it, he has the pedigree. He has had some wonderful mentors from his father to Coach Hurley to Coach Lewis Orr, uh, Coach Willard, Bashir Mason. I mean, he has had a lot of father figures, a lot of coaching mentors in his life that have prepared him for this situation. So I am not in any way surprised by the success that he's having early on at Wagner in his first five games. But it also helps when you can get Zaire Williams, your leading scorer, back on the court uh, when you go into battle against teams like NJIT and Army and Fordham and Stony Brook coming up in the near future. So that'll do it for this episode of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. I want to wish all of you a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. A lot of great basketball coming up the rest of this week on Thanksgiving Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoy the games. They should be fun. And we will see you and hope to have you right back here on our next episode of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My name is Brian DiNovellis. Until next time, so long.